We praise you, O God, maker of heaven and earth. You who created all people. Lord, we lift the country of Pakistan and its people to you. Thank you for keeping your promises for my home country, Pakistan. We know that it is not your will that any should perish, Lord Jesus. It is you who free all prisoners. Now we specially pray for Christians who have been prisoned under the blasphemy law. Father, we pray for the oppressors. Lord, we do pray for the justices as they tackle these cases that you may release these Christians who have been unjustly bound in prison for years. Father, we also pray for the family members that are outside and at times they are not able to meet and see their loved ones. Father, we also pray for many non-governmental organizations who are fighting these cases. Keep them safe, Lord Jesus, from the extremists who are bound to take their lives. Lord, we also pray for many, many children exploited and enslaved in child labor, many people who work making bricks. Father, they are not able to pay their debts. Father, we pray that you may release these bonded slave laborers. Father, I also pray that you may open the eyes of the spiritually blind. I pray for Pakistan that as the gospel is shared by so many different ways, that you may open the blind eyes of our Muslim friends. Father, we pray that they may find Christ. Lord, we pray also those who follow you, those who have accepted you. Keep them safe, Lord Jesus. Protect them and protect their loved ones and protect their families. Father, we pray for many people who are focused in reaching their Muslim neighbors, that you may give them hope and courage and boldness. May your gospel go forth, Lord Jesus, in boldness and humility. Lord, I also pray for the National Church of Pakistan that faces persecution, social discrimination, fear in many different ways. Lord, as they are able to live in this very difficult situation, keep them bold, keep them also committed to the gospel that they may never compromise the faith. Lord, I also pray for the families who have given their loved ones as martyrs. Bless them and give them hope. Lord Jesus, we are also reminded for the young people of Pakistan. Father, as they study, as they work hard, as they tackle many issues to further the gospel despite of their limitations, Lord Jesus, I do pray that they may see hope in the gospel and they may never give up sharing their faith in the marketplace. May the people of Pakistan see that you alone are God, exalted among the nations. Father, we pray for our neighboring countries. Lord, we pray for the influx of many extremists who are in Pakistan, who are creating and making havoc in many different ways. Father, I pray for the innocent people who are being slaughtered now by the extremists, that you may protect the people of Pakistan from the extremism. Father, you have promised us that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. Lord Jesus, I do pray that Christians in Pakistan may rest on this promise and they may never give up hope and they may boldly proclaim the gospel till you come or take us home in Jesus name. Subakhair. Good morning friends. It's a great privilege and honor to be here with you this morning. Thank you for uh, this wonderful opportunity and uh, the 
privilege of uh, sharing this uh, prayer cast with you uh, of my beloved Pakistan. If you don't mind, uh, I will invite you to stand for the reading of the word. We have heard these verses, but I feel that it will be good for us to be reminded. So Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the light of the earth, but if the salt, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a camp lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men or before people that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You may be seated. When I was uh, asked to share uh, on the Mission Sunday, and when I heard about the theme, I prayed, and I asked the Lord, Lord, what can I present? What can I share? And I just felt very strongly that uh, given what is happening, given the current realities, given of COVID, we just finished our missions conference at Moody on Friday. It was very different. I was talking to Caleb here. It was very different. But thank God that we are here together uh, in, in this place, the freedom that we have, uh, the privilege that we have to serve. But before I move on, I just want to take one minute if at all possible, and I think that we are on a little bit of a Pakistani time. I asked Joel, uh, so I'm not going to keep you too long. Don't worry, don't worry. But I want to acknowledge, I, I think otherwise I get emotional and I, I forget to thank your forefathers who sent missionaries to our part of the world. Had, had it not been for them, I would have not been standing here. My father, I'm going to share about my father's journey from Islam to Christ, and hopefully I'll be composed. On the day that he was baptized, there were two American missionaries who stood up, and they testified that they had been laboring in that area for 17, one, seven years, and he was the first fruit. First fruit. One, seven years. And I challenge my students at Moody, think about it. And some people can say, well, so what? It's only one. Ask me about his journey from Islam to Christ and his walk and faith and trust for the next 70 years plus. One soul, one person, one bleak light or dim light when it is turned on or when it is lit or a candle it illuminates the whole area my father grew up in a very conservative Muslim home I don't want to impress too much but if hopefully recently you have heard about ISIS I think 
If ISIS would have been in my part of the world years ago, he would have been a very proud member of this organization. So that gives you the background. My grandfather served in the First World War. Second World War started, and it was uh, kind of natural for my father to join the Royal Air Force and to serve. Remember, we are talking about uh, United India at that time. So he, he was born and raised in the upper part of India, Kashmir, Jammu Kashmir, where my father, my grandfather was not very wealthy, but he was also not very poor, upper middle class, had several factories, very kind, comfortable, loving family background. He was the youngest, so he was spoiled. He was spoiled. He didn't have any sister, so he was the baby of the family, so to say. Very spoiled. So Second World War started, he joined, he was recruited by the Royal Air Force and sent to northeastern part of India, northeast, on, on the north side of Burma. And there was his first encounter with the Lord Jesus. Now, as a devout Muslim, by that time, he had memorized the Quran. It, was, it is normal, actually, it is casual, or, or you know, average Muslim family uh, is, 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 is proud that they're Children, especially sons, when they memorize the Quran. And by the way, Quran is the size of the New Testament. Imagine that your children will memorize the New Testament in classical Greek, and they can recite it. So that is a little bit equivalent. So he, he knew the, he had memorized the Quran. He knew Isa, the name of Isa in Quran. He knew he, was, he, he, he did great miracles. He was a devout Muslim, so praying five times a day and all that stuff. But when he was there, by that time, the Japanese were able to come and bomb. They were able to reach Burma. And there was a British Army chaplain who happened to be a Caucasian, so they used to call him white man. Okay, so it's not a racist term. I just want to say that. Don't get excited. You know, oh, he said. His name was Baxter. So planes... Multiple times used to come, and Baxter used to tell these young soldiers, boys, let's go to the chapel and pray. Now, the chapel was just a fortified, was not a fortified bunker, but a simple tent in the center of the unit. So all around you have bunkers and all those things. A lot of soldiers used to rush to those bunkers. But several followed Baxter, probably maybe crazy, I don't know. Let's go to the chapel and pray. And his prayer was something like this. Lord Jesus, these young men do not know you. If it is your will, give them one more opportunity to know you. Simple, three, four sentences. Then multiple times he used to turn around and he said, do you agree with this uh, prayer? Do you want to live? Yes, of course. No one wants to die if you have some kind of sanity here. So sure. And then he said, multiple times he said, agree, then say amen or amen. And it happened. Coming out, all the unit is gone, devastated by the bombing on more than one occasion. Body parts all over, everything. But somehow the house of the Lord remained intact. That was his first encounter with Jesus of Baxter. He knew Isa of Islam, but who's Jesus of Baxter? Jesus of Baxter has power. 
Because when Baxter prays, he responds. Who's, his, who's this Jesus? Of this British army chaplain. Life went on. He was badly wounded by the blast. And his whole right side was burned up. Almost dying. And his buddies and soldiers uh, took him to the nearest medical unit up in the hills. And uh, he was taken. He could hear them. He couldn't see what was happening. So they brought him in. And the doctor looked at him. And he basically told his friends that he has no place or he, he has no chance to live here. We cannot, we cannot do anything for him. He's a gone case. So how about you take him down to Calcutta, where you have a larger facility. So as he was talking to these soldiers, there were two Christian nurses who not happened to be, but God's providentially brought them, who crossed. And they overheard their, their, this interaction between this doctor and the soldiers, and my father was laying down on the stretcher. And they looked at him and they said, uh, this man may not make it to Calcutta. But the doctor said, well, you know, that's all we can do. We have others who may have a better opportunity or chance. And uh, they, are, they said that, do you mind if we try our best? Do you mind if we treat him with whatever we have? And if there's no place in the world, we will take care of him. Just put him outside our living quarters. Thank God it was not Chicago. Yeah, I have to say that, otherwise, oh, no, thank God. He said, put him outside a living quarter after we take care, bandage him. So his whole face was bandaged and all that stuff. They, they, there was a little bit of an opening here where they used to bring him soft food or soup or whatever. And they, he could hear them, though, but he couldn't see because this face was bandaged. And for the next 20 plus days, they took care of him. And after a while, he, was, he had enough, little bit of enough strength that he could walk like this. And uh, the doctor said, well, now you can walk. And uh, you can go back to the unit and fight. But he said, we just, want, we just need to make sure about your vision, about your eyesight. How is it? So uh, he removed the bandage. And of course, it was multiple times it was removed. And he said, Right eye, what do you see? Nothing. Nothing. He said about left eye, what do you see? He said, I see some shady figures here. I see some shades. But I cannot recognize who, that, who they are. Then he told his nurses, talk to him. And uh, the two nurses spoke to him. They said, well, do you hear us? Yes. Do you see us? Not much. And they said, well, we are thankful. We are glad that at least you are able to walk a little bit, and now you are being sent to your unit. And we thank God that you survived. And he said, well, that's great, but I have one question. Why did you take care of me? I'm, a, I'm just a simple soldier. I'm not your relative. I'm not your family member. I'm just a stranger. I'm a soldier. But why did you take care of me? Because you did, what you did was above and beyond your duty. And praise the Lord that the response was also not long theological explanation. That is a gesture. 
But they said, we took care of you because we love Jesus. And they had told him already probably. But once again, this was the last time. And they said, we took care of you because we love Jesus. And we are Christians. And we are called to care for people. He got so emotional that he started to weep and cry. I mean, our, in our culture, it's not a shame to break down. You saw this uh, initially. I tell my students at Moody, it's very normal and natural for me to break down, even during the prayer request. And they said, please don't do that because your wound is still fresh. Friends, that was his second encounter with Jesus. The first one was this Baxter. Jesus of the second if these two nurses enable them to go out of their comfort zones to do more what they are required to do for the sake of the gospel. Interestingly, he never saw these two ladies again in his life. Even after his conversion, he tried. Well, this is before Google and Facebook. He couldn't, he couldn't track them down. Second encounter was these two nurses. India and Pakistan were being divided, as maybe you know a little bit of a history. We were a British colony. British were, uh, you know, returning back uh, to their home. This is Pakistan, Indian on, I don't know, it's your right side or whatever, where you see. Uh, we have Afghanistan and we have Iran. India, wa and India was being divided. One of the principles was, majority of the Muslim provinces will become Pakistan. And majority where people are Hindu will, will be India. Okay, that was a simple equation, but it didn't work out that way. Because up where my father grew up, where he was born those days, majority were, uh, were Muslims. And even now, if, I don't know how much you have kept up with the news. CNN or Fox doesn't talk too much about it. Maybe watch BBC. But that part, Kashmir, Jammu Kashmir, there's a curfew. And curfew means curfew. There's no one out there for the last one year. Indian government has put. You know, there's, there's a lot of politics, but I'm not going to get there. But anyway, that time, majority were Muslims. So the Muslims felt, well, if this is the principle, it should be Pakistan, and we want to be part of Pakistan. So imagine that tonight we sleep in our homes, at least who are in the U.S., with a U.S. flag, whatever, and tomorrow when you wake up, there's another country's flag on your flag post. How will you respond? This happened. Overnight, it became part of India. So initially, peace negotiations started. But anyway, when nothing worked out, I need to, I need to move. So, oh, oh, yeah, the watch is there. Oh, glory. Speed up a little bit, Sam. Speed up. Okay. So initially, when nothing sp uh, happened, the call for jihad came. And given my father's background, it was not even a question that he will not go for jihad. Killing. So they started fighting. And their main focus was... I'm not going to talk too much about it. We have children here to basically create terror. It is very graphic, but I'm not going to go there. Okay, you hear me now. Very graphic. That was their main focus. Create terror. So they were going. He was leading a group of rebels and village to village, whoever they found, finished. Okay, I'm not using those words. Hopefully you'll understand. They were in a village. They asked, are there any, are there any Hindus here? No. Everyone has left, but there's a Christian family. My father said, okay, great. So he went, knocked the, the door. The door opened, and there was uh, two men sitting. And uh, the, my, own, 
they had this eye contact, they knew that this is not Indian Army. These are extremists. And my father said, are you Christians? Yes. Well, now you have to accept Islam, become Muslim. And if you don't become Muslim, we are going to kill you. So as they were interacting, small girl was hiding and she came out and she said, wait, you can do whatever you want to do, but please give us time to pray because I believe that my Jesus will save us. And my father said that I just had mercy on this small girl. And he said, child, if this is your last wish, we will. You can pray. But let me remind you that a lot has happened on both sides. People have been slaughtered. None of their gods came to save. And neither your Jesus will come. But as this is your last wish, you go. But this is, this is what we are going to do. After you finish prayer, we are going to kill your father, kill your uncle, take you and give you back to the Indians and receive, hopefully, uh, a Muslim prisoner back. They started praying. So he's waiting now, and they are in the center. They are praying. And they prayed. He couldn't understand what they were praying, but he saw them crying. As soon as he finished prayer, there was a bright light that appeared from that spot. Now, I don't know where you are theologically, okay? So I'm not going to argue, oh, I totally disagree with him. You're welcome to disagree because you are free people in a free country. And so am I free? I think so. Bright light came. And it was so bright that he got scared. Now this interaction is between him and that situation. His other buddies are in the back. And he turned around and he said, no, no, no. Let's go back. Let's go back. We cannot touch them. And his friend said, are you crazy? We cannot touch them. You told us, let's finish. We have not done anything for two days. He said, no, I cannot touch them. Then he said, please forgive. That was his third encounter. Can you change the slide, please? That was his third encounter with the Lord Jesus. Jesus of Baxter, Jesus of those two nurses, Jesus of this small girl gave her boldness that in face of death, she said, my Jesus will save me. That is the power of the light. That you and I have, friends. You and I have. It's not that it happens in history. It is happening right now. Among us and globally. Wherever we are. By God's grace. I can sit and stand here and give you testimony after testimony after testimony. And he left. He couldn't touch them. You are the light of the world. Moved on. Last encounter was another rampage, carnage. A, a Hindu woman came out. She was holding a small baby. As soon as he shot, she saw my father, she knew what's going to happen. Before anything happened, any interaction, she kind of dumped this child in his lap. Now he's holding this child. His rifle is here. And then she said, kill him. Kill this child first. Because you're not going to kill me anyhow. Everyone has been slaughtered from our family and village. This child and I are the only one left. Because Allah commands you to kill, jihad, kill. I want this child not to be orphaned. Kill him. And it shook him because he said, what am I doing? On one hand, God creates life, right? God is a creator of life. On the other hand, when I hear from the mosques, al-jihad, al-jihad, who is this God? What is the truth? What am I doing? 
Jesus of Baxter, Jesus of those two nurses, Jesus of the small girl. He said, if you are up there and if you are the truth, then you need to speak to me because I'm sick and tired of what I'm doing. He heard, this is a long thing, but I need to move, otherwise you'll be upset. He heard a very simple, sweet voice. Mira Fazal, liye kafi hai, my grace is sufficient for you. Shorter version. Mira Fazal, liye kafi hai, my grace is sufficient for you. And as, you know, recitation is, is, is normal in India, in Muslim and Hindu culture, so he started repeating it. The more he repeated and recited, the calmer he became. So he was doing this on a railway platform early in the morning. So uh, a janitor came and he saw him. He thought he's drunk because he's saying this, this, this. He heard it. He said, young man, uh, uh, are you drunk? He said, no. Then he told him the whole story. Now think about it. He said, you know, I cannot read the Bible. I'm an illiterate person. But if this is what has happened, you need to go and meet my pastor. I'll buy you a ticket and you go and meet my pastor. And he went. And he saw and he gave his life to Christ. He was tortured after that. And that is where the two missionaries gave the testimony that they have been praying for something like this for 17 years. After that, he went back to his family and he was poisoned. Somehow, that was not his time. And he left. He was tortured, left, ran away. For the next 20 plus years, came down to the southern part of Pakistan, where he started his ministry under a tree. Thank God it was not Chicago. He lived under a tree for two years, just like a sannyasi, just like a gypsy evangelist or whatever. And by the way, this is an Anglican caller, not Roman Catholic. Anyway, so he was an Anglican priest. I have to make that clear. The reason that I'm sharing this is this. That is where my life began. As a nine-year-old kid, he took me there. He said, this is where it all began. Under a tree. The Lord met him. The light shined in that wilderness. Hundreds of, hundreds of people came to Christ after a lot of pain. Fast forward. Fast forward. 30 years ago. There was another thing happened in our family. I was born, raised. Our home was a center of evangelism in that part of Pakistan. Operation Mobilization, crew or campus crusade, and my father was a boldless, fearless evangelist. And the Muslims started threatening him with letters, phone calls, stop the work, leave the city, because several were coming to Christ and they were sick and tired. And they said, if you don't stop it, we are going to kill your son. We know one of your son is not there. I was studying in South Korea at that time in, in the seminary. He said, one of the son is not here, but we have the younger one. If you don't stop, we are going to kill him. June 2nd, 1990, they carried out that threat. My younger brother and only brother was gunned down in front of the church. One bullet from here to here took 90 seconds according to the doctor. Those 19 seconds rock our world, rocked our world. All the vision, all the dreams, all the plans, gone, so to say. My father preached on my brother's funeral, and he said, 
I forgive the people who shot my son. People thought he's gone crazy. How can you forgive the people who shot your son? He said, I give public declaration. We're not going to pursue anything. In fact, if someone could take them, take me to them, I'm going to kiss their hands. Now, kissing the hands in our culture is the highest way of respect that you pay. He said, I'm going to kiss their hands. The gospel light enables you to do that, nothing else. Fast forward, I need to start, I need to, I need to move on. I will take you now to Lebanon, our beloved country. Beautiful nation. Beautiful nation. I've been there multiple times. I've been there before the refugee crisis started. Beautiful land, especially in the Bekaa Valley, where some claim, the Lebanese claim that this was Paul's way to Damascus. They said, I don't know. They said, this is where Paul went, from the way to Damascus. And you know, maybe, I don't know. Beautiful nation. Cedars of Lebanon, so peaceful. But everything changed. Allow me to share one testimony of Fatma, a Syrian refugee. It is, this is where, as Dr. John Piper says, do we trust on the sovereignty of God? And I'm always reminded in my valley days or dark days, I do get depressed and discouraged, okay? So this is not like, wow, he's on fire. I have my days. I am always reminded by Dr. John Piper on the sovereignty of God. Amazing reminder. Before this crisis started, the Lord has, had allowed our mission, one of our Middle Eastern partner, Call of Hope, to build a ministry center. Prior to the Syrian crisis, 15, 20 people used to come for Bible study. That's it. Syrian crisis started. Hundreds and hundreds of people started coming. But the Lord had already prepared this ministry center to welcome them. It was food distribution, medical, and all those things. Fatima and her family also came. Her husband wasn't entrusted, upper middle class. I saw the pictures on their phones of their beautiful villa in Damascus, where their children were and all the beautiful three, four beamers, BMWs. Rich people. Now they're living in tent, one tent. Four kids, husband and wife. Husband wasn't interested, but she started going. The Lord enabled scores of women to come. I don't know why women respond to the gospel more than strong-headed men like me. I don't know. But they, you know, it's, it's interesting. All veiled, all covered, reading the word, singing, praising, memorization. One of them was Fatma. Through the gospel proclamation, she started coming. She gave her life to Christ. And she was so bold. She never settled for less. She gave her testimony. She started getting warnings. Stop. She became too dangerous. They warned her. By the way, many of these camps are also infiltrated by Hezbollah and the, the other extremists from the other, other side of the border. In my last visit, it was funny. In fact, it was not funny, but it was scary to have this conversation with two or three fighters in the tent. Actually, it was not our plan, but they... After having two, three cups of tea, we realized that that is the situation. Anyway, she gave her life to Christ. She became very bold. She was warned multiple times to stop, stop, stop. No one can stop her. Because she got the gospel light from the word of God. 
When she didn't stop, one day late in the evening, she was coming for the women's Bible study. They got her. They beat her. They put her and smashed her head on the stone. Left her to die. Then somebody told the pastor, Oh, Fatma's there. I saw her. He and others ran, rescued her, took her to Beirut, where she had brain surgery. Our church prayed for her. Next time when I was there, our pastor, with our, our, our WBC mission partner, partner said, well, Sam, I have a surprise for you. Oh, we are always used to surprises. You never know what's going to happen. And in comes our dear sister, walking very slowly, hands shaking. Couldn't keep eye straight, eye contact. And, uh, but you could see the gospel light in her eyes. Physically, she was torn apart. But they could not take the gospel light from her eyes. You could see that. You could see that. And she was able to give out more gospel portions or New Testaments when she was bedridden for nine months. Because she told the pastor, you better bring, bring the boxes of New Testament because a lot of people are coming to my tent now to visit. And she gave more gospels when she was bedridden. That is the power of the gospel, of, gospel light that you and I have. It doesn't happen overseas only. It can happen here. That is the people, those are the people that you pray and support. And she's not done. She said, well, two things will happen. I know when my time will come, I'll go. Actually, I love to go up. And she said, she, they'll have to take care of me. Take care of me means finish me. That is the only way that they can stop. Till that time, I will keep sharing. I'll keep sharing. Do you long to have that gospel light? When we just read in the word? What is it that? How, how do we connect with this? You are the salt, you are the light. Or are we so consumed in this COVID and this and that that we become so self-centered and scared? Oh, I know we need to take precaution. We do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be funny about it. We take all the precautions. But the gospel will penetrate and is penetrating despite of all those things happening around. Can you go to the next one, please? This place is Hezbollah. I will not talk too much about it. Where the center is. You can figure out who Hezbollah are. Hassan Nasrullah. The rest is history. Beautiful country that has been shook up by war, civil war, and then over two million refugees. Lately you have heard about that, this, this awful blast in Beirut. I walked that area. It was always fun after a long day and a good big, oh, Lebanese meal to work out. Means work out, means walk for a few miles, otherwise you cannot sleep. <laughs> I know. Food is good, Joel knows. <laughs> Been to that area, beautiful sea, you know, shore and sidewalk, cobblestones. I mean, this is an ancient city, Beirut. Devastated. People say, oh, we need to have assessment team and this thing. Our workers who are Lebanese with life agape and call of hope, they were there in half an hour. 
Smoke was still coming out. They were there in about half an hour with the relief goods. And of course, the quote that Kyle uses is from one of our workers in Lebanon. People come and go, cameras come and go, but we are glad that you are still here after photos have been taken. Nobody shows up after that. Friends, that's where and that's how we partner and support our people. Here and there. I'm not undermining the importance of local missions. Don't get me wrong. We are the benefit of local missions. Pointe and others, the WBC and Travel Age is involved in multiple local ministries that you know. We are taking the light, as I always say, across the street and across the ocean. You cannot just do this over there and neglect our neighborhoods. It ain't works, or it ain't working, or ain't is American English, by the way. I think I learned that a few years ago. That's not the principle. We have to reach people across the street. We cannot neglect them. Reaching them across the street enables us to be passionate. So if someone talks to you and I, whom will he or she see? Jesus of Baxter? Jesus of those nurses? The heart of compassion? Or Jesus, or for young people, Jesus of a small girl? How many Fatmas we have in our congregation who will stand up for their faith and despite persecution and almost torture and being killed, they will never give up. How many pastors we have, like Habib and others from Muslim background, that despite of all those challenges, they said, no, we will never give up, regardless of the threat that we have on a daily basis. We can only do this through Bible, the gospel. Could we prayerfully consider ramping up our voltages, spiritual voltage? Don't have this, electron, this light that goes out only in night. We need to be so sharp and bright that people will see that. That is the gospel light. Will you prayerfully consider continuing what the Lord is doing and even more as you process this week? Thank you so much. We will finish with a prayer cast on Lebanon. God bless you.